Some things shouldn't be transparent, like stop signs. But what you pay for should always be clear, like Hiller's true transparency pricing, always clearly itemized and never any hidden fees. Because you have the right to know what you're paying for. For more information, visit happyhiller.com slash true transparency pricing. Happy you'll be of the services free. Call the Happy Face Truck today. Station. Live from Martin's Barbecue downtown. Touchdown Titans! This is Monday Night Titans, presented by Geico. Part of the Big Six on 104.5 The Zone. With your host, Jason Martin, senior writer and editor of TitansOnline.com, Jim Wyatt, and former Titans Pro Bowler, Mark Mariani. From the official station of the Titans, 104.5 The Zone. Well, ladies and gentlemen, usually in life, there are multiple ways in which to view situations. There's the glass half, the glass half full approach, and then there's the Larry David curb your enthusiasm glass half empty, and also there might also be dirt in my water approach. But yesterday at Nissan Stadium, we saw examples of both. 26 to 22 over the New York Jets, a three-win bad football team with Josh McCown at quarterback and a few wide receivers that only the deepest of fantasy league owners care about, and a decent, a decent enough running back at least in Isaiah Crowell. What should have happened? is a 5-6 and six Tennessee Titans team shows up, imposes their will, plays solid football, and stomps out the Jets quickly. That's what should have happened. That didn't happen. The Titans played an abysmal first half, largely an abysmal first three quarters. It was not according to plan in any aspect. Booze raining multiple times at Nissan Stadium. People headed to the concourses with eight minutes left in the first half because apathy seemed to be taking over. Marcus Mariota didn't look good. Looked like he had no recognition of an internal clock as his line couldn't protect him. He wasn't accurate. The game plan wasn't working. And the Titans began the game 0 for 10 on third down. Special teams, horrific. So what should have happened subjectively did not yesterday. And as the sun set, the Titans looked to be a bad football team. Sometimes what should happen doesn't. Or maybe the expectations just aren't realized. But ultimately... The one thing that matters for any football team, the Tennessee Titans did. They won. They got to 6-6 six and six with a pretty favorable stretch of games upcoming. With the inconsistency, we don't know what's to come. Even though it was ugly, even at times disgusting, the Titans beat the Jets by four as Marcus leads another late comeback, the 12th of his young career, and that, 6-6, six and six, is where we begin Monday Night Titans, presented by Geico, part of the Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. Joined by TitansOnline.com senior editor and writer Jim Wyatt, joined by former Titans Pro Bowler Mark Mariani, I am Jason Martin. Glad to have you with us. Guys, this was not in any respect beautiful. It may not have even been miscongeniality, but it was a victory. Jim, first to you. Your thoughts on what we experienced yesterday? Yeah, I mean, the most important thing is you'll win. I mean, because when you go into any NFL game or any NFL weekend, what should have happened doesn't always happen. I mean, the, the Jets, I'm not going to sit here and, and say that, you know, they're a great football team by any stretch. They're sitting at 3-9 and nine now after leaving here. But they did beat a team in the Denver Broncos at 6-6 six and six and, and challenged them for a playoff spot as well. They beat the Indianapolis Colts, uh, a team that, that throttled the Titans a couple of weeks ago. They're in a playoff hunt. 
Indianapolis is a perfect example. Going to Jacksonville this past Sunday should have won that game, but uh, Jacksonville rises to the occasion. I think what you like in the Titans, yes, it was ugly at times, but uh, when the team needed to make plays, when the game was on the line, once again, Marcus Mariota engineered a game-winning touchdown drive. Corey Davis made a big play. Taewon Taylor made plays. Anthony Ferkser made plays, and the defense kept them in it, kept them hanging around, and the team won. And I think that's the most important thing coming out of that game on Sunday. Mark, it's the NFL. A win's a win, especially a win when is you're a win is a win is a win is a win. And those guys are sitting in meetings today, preparing for a short week and making corrections after a win, and that's always a good thing. Uh, when I looked at this game. I saw a lot of sloppiness and a lot of ugliness, but it's very, very, very hard to pick up a W. It doesn't matter who you're playing in the NFL. That being said, it's tough to take away positives, man. We look sloppy. We turned the ball over. We, we committed penalties all over the place. Uh, you know, if I would have said there was a recipe on how we were going to come out and win this game, it's win, win the war in the trenches, run the ball, use the run to set up the pass. We didn't do any of that. Uh, we came out and won the last 15 minutes of the game in the fourth quarter. Our defense played great um, all day long in the red zone and uh, kept, kept the Jets off the touchdown board, held them to five field goals, and we're sitting here talking about a W. But it was ugly, uh, some, some positives, but we gotta, we got to be better uh, moving forward against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Definitely want to talk about the defense early in this, but let's start with Marcus Mariota. In the fourth quarter, he made a lot of plays again. And the question continues to be about number eight, where in the world is any of this in the first three quarters? He's been, he, he was dreadful for much of this game, so much so that when he started making plays in the fourth quarter, I started thinking of Tim Tebow taking heat in Denver for 50 unwatchable minutes and 10 great ones that somehow even led to a playoff victory over the Pittsburgh Steelers. The offense at large was basically non-existent yesterday. Listen to this first half. Three plays minus four yards. Three plays, pick six. Six yards total. Five plays, seven yards. Six plays, ooh, 25 yards, punt. Three plays, minus 10 yards, blocked punt. And then a little bit of tempo that we start to see, Jim, late in the half. Six plays, 68 yards for the touchdown to Ferkser. And Ferkser, who played very well and has played very well a lot when he's been used, which hasn't been a ton, but they, they did what Marcus likes. They sped it up a little bit, and they were able to score there before the half which may have given a little bit of momentum, even though they immediately gave it away with the 61-yard kick return to open the second half. Yeah, and I think what you like about him is he continues to make plays in pressure-packed situations. I mean, this is eight game-winning drives for him in the last two seasons, 12 in his career. Uh, what you want to see moving forward is more consistency, and we've seen that at times. I mean, it's not like this is the way Marcus has been all the way through the season. Had a great game against Dallas, thought he played well against the Patriots. Obviously, against, you know, against the Texans, he had was 22 out of 23. Uh, I thought he was very efficient. The game against the Indy gets knocked out. I think he's been on a good roll. So what we saw in the first half, kind of a little bit of a departure from how he had been playing, but it takes everybody. And uh, he, he certainly struggled early, but they once again had trouble protecting him. He was facing pressure. I think you could tell he was getting, uh, you know, his, his feet weren't necessarily setting when he was making throws because I just don't think he ever looked comfortable back there. As the game went on and, and he got into more of a rhythm, you know, he, he once again rose to the occasion and finished the game strong. 20 of 35 yesterday, Mark, 282 yards, two touchdowns, the terrible pick six, sacked three times. He rushes four times, he gets 43 yarder, uh, yards, including that 27-yard run that terrified everybody. 
yeah. watching the game because he's able to fumble. He's holding the ball loosely, but he takes another violent hit when he's unable to get down between the hash marks in the, in the open field. He overthrows Taewon Taylor on a surefire touchdown yeah. in the fourth quarter, but then he makes up for it. He makes the wrong call to throw down close inside the red zone when he had a chance to run. It sure looked like if he runs that ball instead of throwing right before he gets to the line of scrimmage, he's actually going to get into the end zone on that play. He fumbled twice. It was an up-and-down game, but again, when you needed him, there he was. Yeah, when the chips are on the table, he rose to the occasion. And going back to that first half, what I struggle with watching this offense is our lack of explosive plays down the field. We hit Corey Davis on that game, uh, leading going on that drive going into the half on a, I think it was a 22-yard completion. That's right. And until that point, we hadn't completed a ball downfield. We hadn't even attempted a pass down farther than six or seven yards downfield. I don't understand. Maybe, maybe it's a mixed bag. We can't protect him. We're having trouble. He's 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 a little. He got a little rattled early. I thought he missed some throws. But what I love seeing in that second half, especially in that fourth quarter, is we were taking shots downfield with Taewon Taylor. That opens up so much. It makes the defense feel threatened in so many different ways. It makes the defense defend the whole field. Where was that? It wasn't even attempted in the first half. And you got back in dink and dunk. Yeah, he was 10 for 14. Great completion percentage. We've touched on that, Jim. He's, he's about to set an NFL record for completion percentage, but it's for 62 yards. Yep. We're not moving the ball. So I, I, just, I, I don't understand the inconsistency, and I, thought, I think you're right, Jim. He's been, he's been doing, we've been seeing a lot of improvement. I felt like the first half he regressed a little bit, obviously comes out, and, and we dominate the fourth quarter and get to make these corrections after a win. But, you know, all, all around moving forward, like I said, some positives to pull from this game, but mostly a lot of things to correct. What you just said, 16-0 deficit. Marcus starts 7 for 11 for 23 yards, including a 15-yarder to Davis, which means his other six completions were for eight total yards. It was 2.1 yards per pass, 10 for 62. The 22-yarder you just talked about, Mark, was heavy run after catch. It yep. wasn't even a deep throw down the field. Second half, thanks largely to uh, Taewon Taylor, Marcus ends up 11 yards per completion in the second half because of the bombs to Taylor. They were under four, Jim, in the first. That to call that conservative is, is an understatement. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, those numbers are worse than I even thought they were. Uh, so, and, and, and let's be honest. I mean, this game against Jacksonville is gonna, it's going to be tough against them. We saw what they did against the Colts yesterday, hold them to zero points, able to get pressure on Andrew Luck. Titans have tried some things. I'm sure we're going to get to on the offensive line to get some things fixed. But challenge coming up is even greater against the Jacksonville defense that's starting to play well. Uh, and you're going to have to be able to throw the ball downfield from the beginning to kind of loosen things up. No doubt. 615-737-1045 is how you join this program tonight. 615-737-1045. When we come back, well, we're going to have to talk about the offensive line. <laughs> and no. uh, that's not going to be particularly pleasant. Then we're going to talk about some bright spots. Then we're going to look at what it's going to take to get into the playoffs for the Tennessee Titans, how their schedule stacks up against some of the other contenders, got a little bit of help from some teams, not all teams yesterday. And, of course, the Jaguars coming up on a short week, a team that already does not like you and has a defense that if the O-line plays like the O-line played yesterday, Marcus will not finish that game on Thursday night. Well, that was the talk leading up to it. Didn't they challenge themselves, had an in-house meeting, all that stuff, and we just got a same, you know, the same thing we've been seeing all year and, league leader and sacks given up. I mean, 
you got, to me, we've talked about it on the show many times, but to me, this was the strength of my offense. This was the strength of my team going into this season, and we just haven't seen it. I'm, I'm still looking for it. I still got faith in them, but we got a tough, te tough test in the Jaguars coming into town on Thursday night. Plus, Adoree Jackson and special teams. That's all to come. Monday Night Titans, part of the Big Six, presented by Geico here on 104.5 The Zone. Monday Night Titans, presented by Geico, part of the Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. Jim White of TitansOnline.com. Mark Mariani of real estate magnet fame. You know Former it. pro bowler with the Tennessee Titans with me. I'm Jason Martin, 615-737-1045. If you would like to join the program, Pro Football focused their top-graded performers yesterday on offense. Berkster was the highest-rated player on the team. Taewon Taylor, second. Derrick Henry, third. We'll talk about Derrick here momentarily. Batson was fourth, and Mariota was fifth. Defensive side, Jayon Brown, who I've really enjoyed watching the, his progression this season. Malcolm Butler, by far the best game he's played in a Tennessee Titans uniform against a team that he knows awfully well from his days with New England with the Jets. Rashawn Evans, Harold Landry, Jerome Casey, those are the top ten performers for Pro Football Focus. We had somebody who's in attendance here at Martins, and if you're out here, come say hello at uh, 4th and Broad and enjoy the food as we do every time that we're here on Monday nights for Monday Night Titans. But they say, hey, talk about Derrick Henry. So let's talk about Derrick Henry. Ten carries for 40 yards and a touchdown yesterday. He ran hard. He found some success with the outside zone. Jim, he's running forward. He's falling forward. He seems to be running tougher. I have liked what I've seen from Derrick Henry over the past few games. Now, I still don't know if he's going to be here long term, but he's playing better. That said, though, 10 for 40 yesterday, the four games before that, 8 for 30, 9 for 46, 11 for 58, 6 for 27. In those five games, four touchdowns, but you still just don't feel like he's a regular part of the offensive flow. And then you look at Deion Lewis. Since the New England game where he took it so personally and had those great comments after the victory, He's been on a milk cart. He has done precisely nothing of real note, and as a result, the run game as a whole continues to be awfully odd. Yeah, and I, I do like what I've seen from Henry. There's no doubt about it. He's been more decisive. He's been more physical. There was a play uh, you know, before his one-yard run, I think, that got him in position for uh, the touchdown where he ran through some defenders, got down close to the goal line, and he came back to the sideline, and Mike Vrabel kind of came up to him and shook his hand and was telling him something. He was telling him, just how that's what he's looking for out of him is to be physical and uh, and run with a little aggression. He used a stiff arm yesterday on a play that was called back. I think he's performed well. I mean, Mark kind of called that at the bye week that he expected him to he come did. out and 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 kind of play with a little bit of a swagger, and he's done that. that that's but still, people that are looking for him to get the ball twenty twenty five times a game, it's not going to happen. No. It's a different offense. I think what you got to do, he's got to be effective in when he's in there and. This team needs to play with a lead. I mean, you play with a lead, you'll get an opportunity to hammer away at teams more, and uh, that's why you can't afford it. You couldn't afford to play them a whole lot yesterday because this team was playing, playing catch-up most of the day. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, we've talked about this, Mark, on the show before. Very few running backs in the league get 20 carries a game now. 
It's not going to happen. And there will be so many people that will argue, well, in Alabama he was so good because he got 34 touches, and in the second half because of attrition he would bust out 30 yards and 40 yards and 50 yards and touchdown and touchdown. That's not how the NFL works. If you're looking for Derrick Henry to get 30 carries for the Titans, it ain't going to happen. Now, if we can get him 15 just to see what he could do, I might like to see that. Yeah, and, and the thing, you trade that 30-40 carry Alabama-type offense, and in the NFL, what you need to do as a running back is you need versatility, and that's what we've been talking about Deion Lewis. I love Deion Lewis's game. <clears throat> he had so much versatility. He can do so much. He runs hard and all that. But to me, this is about Derrick Henry. I think if he can prove that he can pick up the blitz and he can, and he can run, those, run those routes out of the backfield, he'll, he'll get to be in the game more, which will get him more touches. I think Jim's had a hit it spot on, though. We, we played with the, you know, from behind all day yesterday, but 15 carries for Derek, 10 for Dion. I think it'll start even now, but I love what I see out of him. I, watched, I, I slowed it down and watched it this afternoon where all he did was get hit, but, but like we've talked about before, when you're 6'5", and you fall forward, you pick up an extra two and a yeah. half yards. And you so should. Are, if you're Derrick Henry, you should be falling forward almost every single time, Jim. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the kind of style he plays with. Now you just got to, again, get in a position where you can do that time and again. We're, we're not going to see him you know, just hammering home again. We're not going to see him like people want him to. But that doesn't mean he can't help this offense. He's definitely been helping near the goal line. You know, when he scores on that one-yard touchdown run, I know what people are thinking. You know, why did we see that in against the Chargers? Why would we see it in the fourth and one against, uh, you know, against the Texans? But at least you know he's capable of doing it. After all the scrutiny, did anybody expect anything else than Derrick Henry getting that ball, the one-yard line? Thank if, it, if the stadium would have yeah. seen anything else, I think it would have been would have been bad news for the Boo Birds. Yeah, I have no idea if my tweet game was good yesterday or not, but I will say that one thing I did mention was I was surprised that we didn't give it to Luke Stocker yeah. instead of Derrick Henry. <laughs> Nothing about this team yeah. is consistent, including the play calling, but let's talk about one of the reasons why we haven't seen that great a running game or that many carries. The O-line has not been up to par. The guards have not been good. I saw it tweeted out yesterday, and I think it's accurate that the argument for not trying a sneak or trying to run for the two-point conversion in London was because it was a pair of backup guards. Now, everybody wants those backups in the game, which means can you run behind anybody on this team or, or the starters are that bad? And then you've got Taylor Lewan, who is still talking too much, even when he's right, which he was with Jerome Boger yesterday, he knows that fine's coming and he doesn't care. Jack Conklin... Still doesn't look healthy, but he hasn't been good for a while, at least not anywhere near the level of where he was picked. Klein and Spain, who was benched yesterday, have been terrible. I don't know why we haven't seen more Kelly out there. Honestly, Ben Jones has not been good. This unit right now is a shambles. And, and Mark, I'll go to you first this time. That has to be a little frightening. Consider Here comes a Jaguars team on a short week, a divisional matchup against a team that does not like you at all and still has a lot of players on defense that appear right now to be attempting to make individual statements for their own careers with their play that they aren't the reason for the team's drop-off. They're yeah. all trying to make plays. We saw it yesterday. If they go after Mariota, he's not going to finish this game if the O-line can't hold up. Well, you shut out Andrew Luck, who's been totally right. on fire. They're, they're coming in hot on Thursday night, but... You know, early in the season, this whole line, we, gave him a, we sort of gave him a pass. You know, there were so many injuries. Taylor was injured. We didn't have Jack Conklin back. The interior was banged up. 
Now, once all five guys are out there together, you think, all right, we're going to gel. We're going to be able to run this ball. We're, we're going to be able to protect and throw the ball downfield. Well, now what's the excuse? And the hard thing for me watching this film is I see guys getting beat one-on-one -on -one over and over and over, and guys just keep taking their turns. And then Marcus gets flustered and throws the ball into the ground, and everyone gets on Marcus's back. But why does he have guys in his face when it's a one-on-one -on -one or a two-on-one -on -one situation? And we're just getting beat and beat and beat and beat and beat. Like I said, these are my guys. I, I, I have faith in them, but it has been a major disappointment this year and something that they're going to have to address sooner than later. Yeah, pre-snap penalties as well, just bad discipline, bad decisions. They just do not look like they're gelling as a unit, and you don't know from game to game which one's going to be the biggest culprit. Yeah, and, and yesterday, obviously, Spain is the one who gets benched. And Levin comes in, plays center, as you mentioned. Ben Jones moves to guard. It's not all Quint Spain's fault. I mean, as we've talked about, I mean, everybody kind of has to take blame for what's gone on. Jack Conklin did it last week. He stood his locker, say, I haven't been good enough. You know, he doesn't want to make an excuse about the injury, about the scheme change. He just needs to play better. Uh, I'll say this. I mean, I think Ben Jones has been better than people think that he's been. I, I could look at some other places and say they've been weaker at this spot or that spot. I don't want to go down each line and kind of grade them. But I think Jones has been more effective than some of those other guys in the middle. And, what, and I think that was kind of proven by the fact he stayed in there even though they made the position change yesterday. Another thing, and I don't know if we should do it here because I think it's going to extend over to the next segment as well is special teams. Special teams yesterday was abysmal is the only way that I can describe it. It has got to be time, maybe way past time, to have this discussion. And we have the one guy sitting at this table here at Martin's <laughs> Barbecue that I really believe, I, I, not only do I want to hear from, but I believe everybody wants to hear from because he understands the nuances of this job about as well as anybody. A Dory Jackson as a return man. I know how special he was at USC. I get it. We're not in Long Beach anymore. We're not outside Compton anymore. This is the National Football League. He's afraid to get hit. He's afraid to get hurt. He's a starting quarterback, needs to be on the field in that role for this team. I don't want to see him back there anymore, Mark. I, his judgment has not been good all year. In terms of the ball he chooses to field, those he lets roll on along. And then yesterday, an inexplicable fair catch when he has 10 yards of cushion in front of him that led to booze. So this is my argument for you. Ultimately, don't you want someone returning kicks that recognizes internally that's why he's in the league? Guys like Dante Hall, Devin Hester, guys like that, they're probably not in the NFL for very long if not for what they were able to do as dynamic returners. This has been a consistent problem. You were good when you were here, but for the Titans, through at least three head coaching regimes, whether it's Leon Washington or it's Dexter McCluster or any number of others, and now it's Adoree Jackson. I mean, look at Andre Roberts with the Jets. Near the top of the league in return yardage and in efficiency. That is a real weapon if you can give your offense shorter fields. That fair catch meant the Titans had to go 86 yards for that game-winning score in the 11-yard pass to Corey Davis rather than what I think would have been more around 50 because it looked like a Dory could have gotten to midfield. It's time to address this. And when we come back on the other side, Mark Mariani will do just that. It's Monday Night Titans, part of the Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone.
Welcome back, Monday Night Titans here on 104.5 The Zone. We're presented by Geico, part of the Big Six. I'm the regular host of the Big Six, Jason Martin, on Twitter at jmartzone. Titans Online Senior Editor and Writer Jim Wyatt's at jwyattsports. Former Titans Pro Bowler Mark Mariani at markmariani80. So we talked about Mariota. We talked about Derrick Henry. We talked some about this offensive line. We talked a little bit where I actually kind of set the stage for this, Mark. But Dory Jackson, the punt returner, needs to end. It's an experiment that's got to stop happening. As great as he was in college, it just has not worked. And you know better than ever what it takes to play that position successfully. Well, we, we invested heavily in him at a, at a, as a first-round draft pick and, and gave him the return duties. Um, we got a lot of faith in him. And, and there's, no doubt, there's no doubt to anyone sitting up here, the guy is extremely explosive. I mean, the guy, he can t- he's a home run hitter that can take it to the house every time he touches it. That being said, in this league right now, and in close games and coming down the stretch, it's going to be the field position game is going to be very, very important. Obviously, they kicked our butts on special teams last night in every form and facet, but I have been a little, a little disappointed in some of the decision-making I've seen uh, from Adoree Jackson the last few weeks. And we, we talked about it early in the year that he was getting hit and hit and hit. We needed to come up with a backup plan. Who's that going to be? Is it Batson? Or, or Jennings or one of the other guys that come in and spell him from taking all these hits, especially if he's going to be our starting nickel. It doesn't look like they have faith in anyone else. They keep throwing him out there. And I feel like the last few weeks it's been costing them. I think decision-making has been poor, and it's, 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 a, it's a battle of field position. And you give up 5, 10 yards on the ball hitting the ground. You fair catch when you have some room in front of you. Those things matter coming down to the final stretch and in these close games. Jim, it's just it has been a consistent problem for this franchise for quite some time, really. But Adoree certainly looked like somebody coming out of college that could get it done. But the problem is, he is too valuable as a cornerback. And I think even when we thought he was going to be successful in the role, you still worried because he, he's a little brittle, a little bit smaller, and he does have a tendency to get injured. Now, if he's fair catching punts with 10 yards of cushion, or he's letting balls roll by that cost you another 10 or 15 yards, if the judgment's not, th- not there, then there's absolutely no reason for the risk to put him out there anymore. Yeah, and we'll see if they make a change there. I asked Brable today just about it, Dory Jackson. He said a lot of it's just a matter of whether, he, you know, just building trust in, with the guys in front of you. It's not that he questions whether he trusts his blockers. I mean, in a situation like that, as a returner, you've got to have a feel. Mark knows as well as anybody, you've got to have a feel for people that are running at you, you know, trying to knock your head off. And he should have been in a better position there to make a catch and make a run. He didn't. The, the backup plan, I think, is Cameron Batson. I mean, he's a guy that has done it in preseason games, did it in college. Um, I, I don't get the sense that, that Mike Vrabel or the special teams coach, Craig Arkman, is in a position of, or on the verge of changing that up. But, you know, we saw on Sunday that they're willing to do it if, if they don't think the job's getting done. So it was a win, and we've had plenty of negatives but there's definitely one positive that comes out of yesterday, and that is the defense. All day long, the Titans' defense holds the Jets to field goal after field goal after field goal. And that turns out to be enough to overcome a lot of the other problems. Now, the Jets did make some plays, but the drive stalled, and they led to three rather than six. The lone Jets touchdown came on the Mariota pick six, not McCown in the offense. Against a team in the Jets that he knows so well, Malcolm Butler plays by far his best game. 
has the interception that seals it, but makes a huge play on a third down, making a tackle that forces a punt in the second half. Rashawn Evans has a really solid day. Jayon Brown has another good day. Jarrell Casey's making plays. And we saw real life from two veterans that are probably near the end of their career, and Derek Morgan and even Brian Arakpo made some plays yesterday. The defense, Mark, gave the offense a chance all day. Without what they did, there's no shot at that comeback. That effort, plus the fact that it's the Jets, one of the teams you can afford to play as bad a first half as we saw and still have an opportunity to come back, the defense gave you just enough of a chance to get it done. Yeah, the New England, the New England Patriots have been doing this for years. Between the 20s, give up yards, do what you want to do. When it comes to the red zone, it's bend but don't break. Don't let them in the end zone. Give up three every time before you give up the seven. They had five scoring drives, all field goals for the New York Jets yesterday. Huge compliment to our defense. And not only that, they got put in some very, very adverse situations. I saw one of the worst punt blocks I've ever seen in my entire career and oh. life yesterday. But they, they, they turn over or, or a quick change. Defense takes the field and holds them to a field goal. Could have been a huge swing. At the end of the half, we stop them. Uh, to hold them to a field goal, and then we go down and score. That was a huge sequence. Our defense props to them all day. They gave up a few plays in between the 20s, but at the end of the day, they didn't break and didn't give up a touchdown. It, it was such a bad pump block that Mike Vrabel was asked today whether it was a fake because it looked like yeah. <laughs> Kevin Some people Byard, suggested yeah, that all day. And if you look at the film, it looks like you know Kevin Byard kind of snuck out there. It looks like it was a position where he was going to flip it to him and go. That's not what happened. Titans just botched it. Uh, but this is the kind of defense that we've kind of been used to seeing, except for the last couple of weeks. I mean, the last two weeks against Houston, against Indianapolis, bad games. How much of it had to do with Dean Peace leaving early against the Colts, not being around early the week leading up to the Texans had to do with that. I mean, I, I think you can't completely disregard that. He said himself last week that he felt like some of that was on him. He hadn't been around. He missed practices leading up to the Texans game. He was around this week. They played better. You mentioned Morgan. Morgan, kind of an unheralded guy. That play he made on third down, just staying home yeah. to give the Titans a chance to get the ball back. That was huge. Malcolm Butler, good for him. He made two huge plays in the game. One of them on a third down play. Another one was the interception in the game. And, uh, you know, they don't win that game with the defense crumbles and a lot of times you see that i mean your team that is frustrated by an offense that's sputtering uh you know sometimes just gives in yesterday they hung in there yeah and, and you talked about the last two weeks jim the colts and the texans the defense was criticized over and over for their tackling and i thought yesterday we tackled extremely well yeah, we I made agree. them earn every single yard and that was huge one thing i would like to see from d morgue from Rack, maybe Harold Landry or something, I need to see an edge rush at some point. I need to see somebody get around the edge and get home to that quarterback. We have enough pressure up the middle, makes you feel safe, but I want to see somebody get around the edge. That's the only thing I'd criticize a little bit from yesterday is a little more pressure on that QB. Get after Cody Kessler this, this Thursday night. You consider how bad the offense was basically for three quarters of this game. You consider a blocked extra point, a terrible blocked punt, 61-yard return to open the second half and a pick six, and the defense still gave you a chance to win that game. You can say a lot of negative things about yesterday, but the defense absolutely came to play yesterday. And without that effort, there is not a shot in the world that the Titans actually got that victory. So they deserve a ton of credit for what they were able to do. We're going to take a break now. We're going to come back. We're going to look at this Jaguars game on a short week. We're going to look at what the Titans have left on their schedule. 
We're going to tell you how easy that schedule is compared to the rest of the league, get you set for the game on Thursday, and let you know what it really looks like as we continue to go down the stretch of this season. Who are the quarterbacks they're going to face? What should they be able to do against them? And I've got a stat about the Indianapolis Colts to end this show that will boggle your mind. This is Monday Night Titans here on 104.5 The Zone. segment live from Martin's Barbecue here with Monday Night Titans, presented by Geico, part of the Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone, along with Titans Online's Jim Wyatt, former Pro Bowler Mark Mariani. I'm Jason Martin. We have kind of broken yesterday's game down from most angles, so let's begin to look towards Thursday night. Here's what's left for the Tennessee Titans on their schedule. Thursday night here against the Jaguars, then to New York to play against the Giants, home against the Redskins, and then home against Andrew Luck and the Indianapolis Colts. According to metrics, the Titans have the ninth easiest remaining schedule in the NFL. The Texans have the fourth easiest. Denver, who is somebody you really need to pay attention to right now, a 6-6 team that has beaten in consecutive weeks the Chargers, the Steelers, and yesterday the Jeff Driscoll-led Cincinnati Bengals but got the job done, but they lose Chris Harris yesterday to a fibula injury. His season is over. Six of the other teams in that top ten easiest schedules are NFC teams. The lone other AFC team is the New England Patriots at tenth. Here are the quarterbacks the Titans are likely to face throughout the rest of the season. Cody Kessler, of course, on Thursday night. Eli Manning or Odell Beckham, whoever you think is the best quarterback for the New York Giants. Colt McCoy, and then the dreaded 10-0 Andrew Luck, who has just been unbeaten and just absolutely flawless against the Tennessee Titans. Now, this team, Jim, they could run the table. They could easily go 3-1 and one and finish 9-7. and 2-2 two and two is possible. 1-3 and three would be pathetic, and I don't think that's going to happen. Does 9-7 and seven work for a playoff spot? I, I get, I, it could, but you consider the Chargers seem to have one wild card locked up. The Ravens are starting to win again. Weirdly, with Lamar Jackson and RG3, but they're winning again, and they have a tiebreaker, and so do a couple of other squads. Tennessee's going to need some help, and one thing I think is obvious. If 3-1 and one does not happen, the season's going to end against the Indianapolis Colts, win or lose, and it begins Thursday against a Jaguars team that completely stymied that Colts offense yesterday. Yeah, one thing about you know, the quarterbacks, one thing to keep an eye on this weekend is what the Giants do, because they're already talking about potentially looking at backups if they should fall out of playoff contention. They play, I think, at Philadelphia this weekend, so you need them to lose to have them kind of go toward maybe looking at the future. I, I think, you know, you can't look at it any other way, but the Titans have got to win out. I mean, looking at Denver and their schedule coming up, uh, you know, it's funny, I watched that game against the Steelers, you know, last weekend and thought, okay, that was a nice win for Denver, not realizing that they were probably going to be a factor in this yep. thing, and, and you can't ignore them. That was a big loss for the Colts yesterday for the Titans to now put themselves in a position where that game means something, but need to have help. I mean, Baltimore needed to lose yesterday to Atlanta. They've got a couple of games coming up that uh, you're going to need to get a couple of losses, but it can happen. The main thing is the Titans just got to keep winning. Jacksonville's coming in here with um, – you know, some bad feelings about this football team after beating them the past three games. And they love to play a role as a spoiler in this thing. Yeah, and that's all they really can do is play spoiler. And they've got guys that don't like the Tennessee Titans. 
and they have defenders that can rush the passer and get after the quarterback and some really solid players down in the secondary. So even with Kessler, six to nothing was enough to beat the Colts yesterday. Yeah, you didn't see Andrew Luck going into that game, throwing the ball 52, yard, <clears throat> 52 times and coming up with a shutout. And so the thing about the Jaguars has always been they have a stacked defense full of playmakers. Coming into the season, they were the favorites probably to win the AFC. Uh, Should have beat the uh, New England Patriots last year in the AFC Championship. Long story short, they have playmakers who are disgruntled. They're frustrated. Their season's over. And all they want to do is play, play the record. So what do you got to do? Take care of business, man. We need, we, need to, we need to correct the mistakes. Go into this. You got Cody Kessler leading the troops who scored six points last week against the Colts. Man, Thursday night, we need to get after these guys. Defense needs to shut them down, and Marcus and the crew need to go out and take care of business, knowing that this defense is going to be reared up and ready to go. So the win happened yesterday. You're sitting at 6-6. Six and six. There's not much you well, there's nothing you can really do from a personnel standpoint. At this stage, you got what you got. So what are, if there are any, the alterations that can be made? LaFleur is still a rookie play caller that, for all intents and purposes, what he did for Sean McVay was he looked at things, analyzed them, and had intel on them from the box. He wasn't calling plays. He wasn't really part of that process at all. So we're seeing growing pains from him. We're seeing growing pains from Mike Vrabel. We haven't done a show really since the Colts game, at least the Monday Night Titans, so we haven't really talked about the Texans game at all. The stalker call is just something that can't happen, but it's the kind of thing you almost expect from a rookie coach and basically a rookie offensive coordinator. Another thing that we've seen is the first season under the Kyle Shanahan offense in Atlanta for Matt Ryan, they did not throw the football down the field at all. And that's exactly what we're seeing with Marcus Mariota right now. Does that mean that next year we're going to see them open it up a lot more, the same way we saw with that Atlanta offense that then got to the Super Bowl with that same group? Maybe. But I, I still want to see more from Matt LaFleur. And this is one of those situations where against the Jets, you can get away with three bad quarters. Against the Jaguars defense, if you fall behind by 10 points in the second half, I don't think you win that game. You can't have a bad start against Jacksonville and expect to pull that out. Yeah, all that sounds good, Jay Mart. All that, all that schedule stuff, all those quarterbacks, you think they can beat them. But here's my take on it is we haven't done enough. We haven't got, gotten out there and proven enough to just be able to show up on Sunday and beat anybody. We've been too inconsistent. We've been too mistake-ridden all over the place. When we show up, we can be likes of the Patriots and the Dallas Cowboys at any time. So here's what I want to see on offense. I got to see shots by Taewon Taylor. This was a different offense in the second half, especially in the fourth quarter, when we threw the ball down the field. You got to find a way to protect Marcus, but you have to make their 11 defenders defend the entire field. And when they have a threat like number 13, Taewon Taylor, on the field, I guarantee you that that defensive coaching staff in Jacksonville is wondering or saying, hey, we cannot let this guy beat us because this is the one guy right now that can turn this game upside down. He did it in the fourth quarter, and he could do it on Thursday. Jim, one thing that and I think this speaks to Mark's point about Taewon and stretching the field and making the, making the defense work a little harder. If you've noticed, teams that have played the Kansas City Chiefs the next week lose on a real consistent basis. And there have been a number of defensive coordinators this season and defensive players that say it takes an extra week to recover from chasing the Kansas City Chiefs' weapons all over the field. You're not making anybody chase anybody playing for Tennessee if you're not taking some kind of deep shots down the field. So I, I agree. I want to see more with Taewon, and a lot of that comes down to the offensive line giving Marcus Mariota a chance 
to let his guys get down the field. Yeah, and I think him getting healthy and being back in it, we can't lose sight of the fact he was out for three weeks. He was, you know, he was somewhat, uh, you know, watching him in practice. I thought he would play, but he's worked his way through that injury. I think he's clearly got his legs back underneath him. So I think you'll see that more moving forward. Jacksonville's going to look a little bit different on Thursday than they did, obviously, on Sunday when they scored just six points because they've got Leonard Fournette back. The one thing about a short week Everybody's bruised up, you know, trying to work their way through it. Leonard Fournette comes in here with fresh legs. They've missed a lot of their offensive line throughout the course of the season. I think just one, maybe one guy from the starting five was on the field on Sunday. I think you get a couple of guys back this week, but they're a little bit banged up uh, coming in here as well. But they got Fournette back, and uh, and that offense will look a little different as a result. Yeah, and we certainly don't have the time to get into this in any detail but on friday's big six i pretty much spent the whole hour talking about kareem hunt and the situation with him i said hey you know what i think he's going to be on the exempt list by the end of the night and i think this is the biggest story in the nfl this season and within 30 minutes of going off air he was on the exempt list and cut by the kansas city chiefs and the reason i mention that is because i think it means that the afc is so wide open because kareem hunt and travis kelsey are the two things that really make their offense go in terms of creating space for the, for the rest of their weapons. We saw them do some good things yesterday, but the offense didn't look as good against the Raiders. So you've got a Chargers team that's never been able to win in the playoffs that you could have beaten in London. You've got the Steelers, who look like they're fraying at the seams just from a psychological standpoint. You've got maybe Denver. I don't know if Denver's any good. You've got the Patriots, who are not great, but they're still the Patriots. If you can get into the playoffs, who knows what happens? That's, that's what I think you have to keep in mind here in our final minute. Yeah, no doubt. And I think that, here, bottom line is this. We just got to take care of business. We put ourselves in a situation where we don't have a ton of room for error. It starts Thursday night against a divisional opponent who we know really well. Just go take care of business. Be great. Control what we can control and go get our first win. So I tell you two things about the Big Six, and I tell you the same thing about Monday Night Titans. One, we're not going to waste your time. And two, we're going to make you smarter. So how about this stat? from Scott Kazmar of Football Outsiders about the Indianapolis Colts. Is this any good, and what does it say about Jacksonville's performance yesterday? The Indianapolis Colts, going into yesterday, were 94-0 and in games where Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck played the entire way and the team gave up 17 or fewer points until yesterday. First time ever they lost in that situation. That is astonishing. And that Jaguars defense is here in Nashville on Thursday. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. God bless and good night.